Hello, everybody, and welcome back to Phanthropological, the podcast that explores the breadth of human fandom. My name is Nick D, and today we are going to be talking about D and D and Cetera when we ask the question, what makes a good tabletop experience? And here with me to discuss this topic are my two best friends, Nick T. Yo. And Nick Z. Uh, hoy hoy. So, fellas, what makes a good tabletop experience? Well, I think, gee, the important part is that you have all the shiniest dice for all your clicky-clacky, goblin-y madness, and also that um, you have the most powerful character. That's literally the only two things that are important to having a great tabletop experience. Do at me. I myself frequently find that I need to roll upwards of six d20s at the same time, so (laughs) I need all of those sets. Got to make sure the luck particles are set just right in those dice, too. I'll tell you what doesn't make a good tabletop experience. People thinking that their dice are magical and somehow let, that if they throw one away and pick up another one, it's going to improve their rolls. <laughs> that is the magic of randomness. But I, I think let's talk about randomness. Like when you're playing, uh, I'm, I'm sure there are tabletop games that don't have any randomness. Um, but like if you're talking about like your some of the popular ones like uh, Dungeons and Dragons 5th edition or Pathfinder or Pathfinder 2, like any of those kind of games, like there's randomness to it. And I think that's like an important part of a good tabletop experience is not knowing what to expect. Not in the sense that it's like, hey, I'm the DM and I'm going to kill your character. <laughs> but in the sense that that anything could happen based on either the DM's actions or on your character or other members of your party. Yeah, like it's that's kind of the pulse of the tabletop RPG and like obviously like war games and things like that don't have randomness in them. But we're, we're talking like like this sort of realm, the D20 realm, etc. It's it kind of is what is what propels things because it's 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 kind of like guided improv in a way. Yeah, you go to pick lint off of somebody's shoulder and you roll for it and then you roll a nat 20. And like, what would what would the superlative version of me picking lint off somebody's shoulder? Like you, you do a backflip over them as you pick it up off their shoulder, or something <laughs> like that. Like it, it sort of pushes your brain into into places that probably wouldn't go without the dice. Even if you remove the dice from the equation, let's say you're not worried about verisimilitude. You're you're just having a good time, which mm-hmm. is also, I think, something that's important that everybody's having fun. But you have the situation, and you know, let's say you're the the front of a dungeon. You're at the precipice. You know, it's a a dungeon. It's like there's a there's a big monster in there and you got to get treasure. Doesn't matter what the specific scenario is. You never quite know what, you know, the rogue is going to do or or or, or like your your cleric or, or whatever. And in that vein of improv, you ha- th- this kind of yes ending, you know, somebody can Leroy Jenkins their way inside hmm. and you have to decide, you know, are we a team? Are we are we good people and do we go help our friend out or is it funnier to see what happens to them? I mean, yeah, it sort of depends on your dynamic, like the dynamic between you and the people you're playing with, and also the dynamic on- between all your characters. In my 5e game now, I have a rogue who refuses to find traps. <laughs> <laughs> oh, That's wow. amazing. Like, I'm sure it's, it. like, as long as it's okay with the rest of the party. It, it's, like, it's, like, funny and makes sense in context. It's not like everyone just, like, waits for me to and I just refuse. Like, it's, <laughs> it's, uh, it's, char- it's currently charming, let's say that. Because now we've had these games run for so long that we have well-worn tropes. And so probably a lot of games now you see people play, playing against them, which is uh, in itself fun. Yeah, like a, a lot of my Twitter feed has been full of uh, people talking about tabletop games. And uh, what was I'm trying to remember what the specific example is. Like, can we, like everybody jokingly on Twitter, like could everybody sign my petition to change the name of Dungeons & Dragons to like Dungeons & Smooches? 
Because <laughs> no, it's not even about like like doing anything sexual with any of the monsters or anything. It's just like it's like let's just romance everything. And I don't <laughs> even mean in the corny bard way. I just mean yeah. Let's just have relationships with like everyone. Yeah, it's not like it's not so much a, a matter of fact of you go into you go into a D and D game expecting like a hack and slash anymore, which I think it may have been more that in the seventies and eighties. A quote beer and pretzels game. We're just like, we're in the dungeon and we're just doing it. We're just like churning through bad guys here, which it, which in itself can be fun in the right context. But I feel like I certainly need a little more like narrative happening, whether it's plot or whether it's like interactions between characters and, some, and stuff like that to really get my motor running in terms of tabletop RPGs. Plot definitely helps a lot, but I mean, it's also just fun jumping into those dungeons and <laughs> exploring around punching through doors or whatever <laughs> yeah if you're like a level 15 monk and you're just like yeah. gonna punch punch everything there's <laughs> a door in my way i'm gonna punch my way through it one punch won't do it how about two three five twelve got, got as 20. many as you need yeah yep yep this kind of goes back to what you were saying g about how it, there a lot of games used to be more of like beer and pretzel runs i think what makes a good tabletop experience is kind of this new wave it's it's not new it's been happening for a while but this this uh idea of like everybody setting expectations before games start you're like what kind of a game do we want to play are we big on the exploration are we big on the plot is it the characters do we want to be really crunchy do we want to do a beer and pretzels run do we want to just like go into the world's biggest dungeon and kill a dragon yeah and i think too is you have more like more than ever people playing games with other people they don't know but people who are probably interested in the same kind of game most dd games probably happen online now definitely seen a lot of streamers doing that getting into that and like sharing that experience with other people whether it's uh like good or or bad it's just like this is here for the world to see that was never something you could do you know D was locked off to like do you have a bunch of friends who want to play D? no well i guess you're <laughs> not playing it or watching people play it <laughs> <laughs> Do you want to run a game? No? Well, then you're not playing. Then no one gets to play. <laughs> yeah. I I am a 5e game. Uh, it's it's entirely a homebrew. It's a per- person DMing for the first time, but they've written so... They, they do have, have done so much world building and, writ- and written books based off of this world. Wow. That like, it's, it's like, and I don't know any of it. And that <laughs> is one of the best things in this game. <laughs> is discovering lore and history and geography and everything about the world as your character does. I've never, I don't know how to put it. It's, it's, it's an incredible feeling like not knowing anything or knowing the same amount that your character does. Yeah, you, you can't really get that in too many other things. I mean, cause I'm thinking about like exploration and lore and that kind of thing and my mind goes to Zelda, video games, that kind of thing. But a lot of it's in the games if you really look for it. Like if you pour hundreds of hours into breath of the wild you can probably find out all sorts of things about the timeline and the other games like this and that but so much of it and i think so much of what people encounter of it is in articles or maybe back in the day in instruction manuals on like forums and that kind of thing it's not something that you don't like learn about hyrule keeping with the zelda example as link learns about it you probably already know a bunch even if it's your first zelda game exactly like it's like playing any game for the first time. Like if you've never 
I'm trying to think of an example. Like, I, I, I've already kind of, quote, ruined the Nier series. I've played Nier Automata, which means I know something about a future game. Well, technically a game in the past because the other ones come before it. But, like, I already know something about that. When you go into, um, right now we're playing a Pathfinder game, and that's set in the world of Galarian. And that means that uh, if I choose to, if I read any of those books or read any of the source material, I can learn all about this world, which is not how, how you experience it as a character. No, I did the same thing. I like, because we, like, we, there's, a, there's quite a few of us, so it takes a while for us to get together. So there was so much time for me to, like, digest all of the stuff that's in the core rule book and all the stuff about all the settings in Galarian and everything about where we are. So like, I know like it's fun to read, but then I'm like, I know all this stuff that is not pertinent to my character. My character might not know. And the discovery doesn't happen in the game. So maybe not. Uh, it could be the sense of discovery specifically, whether it's, you know, what's around this corner, but like another part of making a good tabletop experience is somehow, and this is challenging creating that sense of wonder when we as people discover things in real life it's wonderful you're like oh hey did you know this random fact did you know this thing no that's really cool and that's a thing that exists in the real world and when you get to make those discoveries in a different world when it's not like well i pretty much knew that was going to happen based on these other facts that i knew about this imaginary world that's great and that too, and this this could you know lead into something else. With when it's a homebrew, and I get a magical item that she invented, I have to ask her about it. I can't. <laughs> I can't look it up. <laughs> oh, that's a plus two ring of protection. Well, you know, it gives you a deflection. You're like, I don't know what it does. It it's literally a plunger. Ah, yeah, yeah. It looks like a plunger. What am I supposed to do with that? Oh, that's actually a hat. And <laughs> plus plus four dodge modifier to AC. What? So so I like I like that. You know, interact interact with the DM. The DM as the source of knowledge, even though knowledge has been democratized these days. But like literally, and this is literally what the game is. But thinking about it makes me really happy. Is you're all sitting there, and and the DM is describing something, or your character makes a quip, and we all agree that these things are happening together. That idea makes me so happy. I mean, you will get people calling the names of the characters names of things in real life that they're actually not uh, for humorous effect, almost to the point of insanity. But um, agreeing on a shared universe in our brains is like a delight. Even going from that, people often talk about Dungeons and Dragons or Pathfinder as though it's a shared storytelling experience. And that's partly true. It's more like you have a stage director and he really wants you to do something, but you're too busy arguing over where the lights should be and how long your lines should be. <laughs> but but like when you manage to create that shared experience, that shared universe, it's even better because you have those people, the, those players, your friends, your allies, they're supporting you. They're like, you know what? G hasn't had a spotlight moment in a while. This is going to be so much better if he can like monologue for a bit. Or like, like Z's character is built on his like martial prowess and he really wants the opportunity to show it off, not by rolling dice, but just like describing how, how good he is or like how uh, his character scared off the guards because they were just like, even if, he, even if your character wasn't that powerful, they were just like, this guy looks like serious business. I, I think often I'll get caught up on like, like 
you know, D&D is truly the, like, you can do anything. That's why it can't be a video game, because you're able to do whatever you want. And I think when I figure something out that I can do in the game that I would never be able to do in a video game, which is like a weird little thing that might help the plot, but might also be funny, might be a fun character moment. I When I think of a thing like that, I almost disregard whether my character would do it or not. Because <laughs> <laughs> I just want so badly for it to happen. And I'm very, I usually am very like, oh, my character would do sort of thing, but like, like the idea of like creating and improving in the in the space of the world that everybody's building is so exciting. I will sometimes forget that and just do something cool. Yeah, you're like, oh, there's three buttons and this uh, code the person gave us is like, well, do do this so many times. You're like, yeah, that that sounds like I know how to figure this out, but I'm actually kind of curious. What happens if I don't? Will I turn into a toad? Will I be vaporized? Will it just not work? And those are things that you get to try out that you. You couldn't in real life. If somebody's like, hey, that that's like a, um, that's a table saw. And you're like, I wonder what happens if I put my arm through it. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe the rules are different. Um, <laughs> nope. You're down on yeah, arm. Yeah. I mean, like, like, really, there are no consequences. Like, I wonder what happens if I jump into this pit of spikes. I mean, you can probably guess what's going to happen. But, like, if you just rush into a room or, like, flip off the king or, like, <laughs> cut, cut, you know, cut the queen's hand off or you know, like take off all your clothes all of a sudden. Like it doesn't mean the game's over or you did it wrong. It just <laughs> a different thing happens now. Yeah. It just takes it in a totally different direction. I mean, also too, you can be somebody that you're not in real life. That kind of goes hand in hand with that. Um, you know, you can be as I often am an idealized version of yourself, but, but writ as a character, or you can go a completely different direction and do something that you would never do. And, um, we all know like the best actual game is the making the characters part of the game and then it's all falling action from there i'll concede that point (laughs) if you're in a good game nobody's gonna say well you can't be our party already has two rogues we don't need another rogue i'm not a rogue i'm a bard well bard's kind of like like sure you might have a, a group that's like that and if so i'm very sorry for your loss find a Find a group that's more supportive. But, like, you can do that. Yeah, you can try to, like, stretch yourself. You can try to grow as a person by trying to do things that you wouldn't. If you feel like, like, if you often feel like you're a screw-up, you can be a success. And I don't mean because uh, you have a loaded dice or something like that. I mean, because, like, you can you can build a character that's that's around that. You can try to be something that you're definitely not. Most tabletop games... Uh, aren't concerned with what your race or gender or any of that is just pick whatever you like in fact i've been really impressed reading through the the documentation for like pathfinder they're like yep we've got queer couples we've got uh straight couples we've got like people of different races we've got like humans of different colors and like usually like the story isn't embedded about racism except for specific stories where they want to talk specifically about racism and like how it's bad or things like that. I thought it was funny. Traditionally, in the plots and, and nations and things like that, it's like gender, no problem. Sexuality, no problem. Like, like everything is all equivalent. No one gives gives a shit. like. Like your character doesn't change at all if any of those things are different. Race, huge problem. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> I mean, it might be different in the plots that are being written now, but like back when, it was always like orcs hate dwarves or something like that, and like that was a thing about your race. 
I mean, a bunch of races had things like that. And that was the only sort of difference that people cared about. But uh, yeah, yeah. Because I, I am a musician. I am very serious about music. Music, is, music and art are serious business in my life. But I played a character who couldn't give a shit about art. <laughs> I was like, we are trying to start a revolution. What good is a fucking picture or, or like piece of music going to do? That's, that's useless. And the dissonance between my character and myself was like, <laughs> like juicy. Like it was, it was delicious. I loved it. I loved doing it. Um, Cause I could like put my brain into, into that mode of thinking for that amount of time and be like, man, it is, po- it, is, it is possible to have this opinion and defend it, even though I don't agree with it. Yeah. And, and there have been uh, in our camp, in that particular campaign that we're in, there have been lots of moments that have had that weird dissonance. Even though we've been joking around for a lot of it, there have been a few occasions where we're like, oh, what um, my character was doing like feels really bad. Like It's like, let's not save this person. And it's like, that feels bad. Yeah. But like in the in the context of like the game in the in the moment, it was like wow, that's some really strong character development going on there. Yeah, and everybody can have those moments. That's that's amazing. And I don't personally, but I know people people probably like to play evil characters or do evil campaigns where you're you're coming coming at it from the other side. Puppies in your way, just just straight <laughs> up murder it. Yeah, who cares? Evil, 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 evil. <laughs> Z, what are some things that make a tabletop experience good for you? We talked a little bit about how, like, you know, when you have a supportive group and there's this air of this um, element of surprise, for lack of a better word. <laughs> what are some other things that make a tabletop experience good for you? I mean, the element of surprise or or whatever, whatever you know, you want to get at from that <laughs> is really a big one because to me, it's not just, you know, what is the game going to surprise me with? What's the the GM going to surprise me with? The other players going to surprise me with? But like the fact that that's a possibility just makes it that much more immersive, even though it's pretty much entirely imagined. Maybe you've got like a map and miniatures. Maybe you don't, but there's usually not much of like a real-time visual component. It's not like there's a, a program yet or that I know of that uh, takes a D&D game as you're playing it and animates it with like little sprites or something. <laughs> that, that, that is brain work. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Even though that's all brain work, that element of surprise, the fact that you're, you have to be invested or that you are invested because of that surprise makes it so much more immersive. That's really important for me. And to that end, I wish I could talk about payoffs, but I've never finished a campaign before. <laughs> So I'm, I'm sure they're supremely satisfying. I just haven't really experienced one <laughs> in, in terms of having a good experience, but maybe not getting the payoff of completing a campaign, like I could easily say, like from a mechanical sense, leveling up, oh, that's really satisfying. But yeah, um, having those moments of character growth, like maybe you didn't finish a whole campaign, but your character um, managed to... Uh, finally find the person who murdered their father so that they know who to avenge. Or maybe they're not a murderer. Like, maybe your character isn't a murderer and they just want to talk to them and understand what happened so that they can, you know, be at peace. Or, like, just having those moments where you can... You or your character can grow. Like, small small payoffs. Yeah. 
And I find mm-hmm. uh, recently I've, I've sort of con- cottoned on to the idea of like writing less character backstory when I start and sort of writing things in as I go uh, based on how my characters react to things. Like I basically start with a quote vibe <laughs> of a character and then stuff happens and they react to it. And then I'm like, Oh, so they feel this way about this. Why do they feel like that? And kind of working backwards like that. I also find very satisfying. Um, and I mean, too, I don't, I don't love, but I'm like, I'm not good at acting in a room full of people. But like I want to be, but I'm not. So like doing like playing games on a routine basis front of people has gotten me much further in that aspect kind of just just when i feel comfortable doing so but like i to see the i I don't even know why that why it uh i feel so uncomfortable with it but i've really enjoyed like little bits when i'm able to connect with people as a character that sort of thing um that's a fairly new experience for me the nice thing about a lot of groups too it like people can talk about things like critical role or um the adventure zone which are i mean for lack of any better words like they're professionals um whether they're professional voice Mm -hmm. actors or professional entertainers whatever you have you but most most folks are not and that means that whether you want to act whether your group wants to act or whether you want to like odds are the people that you're working with also have pretty similar experiences yeah they're like we're we're also not expert actors here so (laughs) you're all muddling through it together and that's great because like there's nothing worse like it's not for me. Um, I don't have a lot of fun when you're playing um, any game, whether it's tabletop or like a board game or a video game and you're playing with somebody and they know everything. <laughs> mm-hmm. Like if you're playing Pathfinder D and D the person that I want to know everything and I do not care if anyone else knows anything is the the game master. Yeah. I, I don't want a backseat game where I don't want somebody to say you did that wrong or you should do this. I don't want a quarterback. And like if I'm playing with people and like, yeah, we're all kind of muddling through this. We don't know what we're doing. And that's great because that means we're like, oh, uh, like mechanically, you're like, oh, you forgot to add that too. And you're like, ah, thanks, buddy. And somebody's like, wasn't um, your character from this area? You're like, oh, yeah, sorry about that. I, I completely forgot. Yeah. And it's like, mm. Yeah, like mainly like like oh, you know, if you don't remember to do this, then like you're not going to like beat this guy this round or whatever like that. And like beating the guy is not why I'm playing D and D. It's it's the experience of playing it. If I lose, I lose. If I go to jail, I go to jail. <laughs> if I die, eh, we'll deal with that. But as I said, my favorite game within the game is creating characters, so that's <laughs> not a huge loss. That's such a big part too, right? Like tabletop games are not about winning winning is boring if you face a big bad evil guy and you kill them or capture them or sorry let's just start with killing them and you kill them like who cares that's boring what if you cap what if you capture them what if they get away what if you befriend them what if you romance them (laughs) what if you cut one of their legs off as they run away but they manage to run away and when they come back they have a robotic leg (laughs) yeah (laughs) right yeah, but like even if you lose, um, whether it's like, oh, your character fell into a pit and died or you had this big moment with the the boss and yeah, you lose an arm or a leg or something. It's like yeah. it's it's not about winning. It's about creating fun 
experiences. Yeah, if you don't beat that, I mean, it could be a TPK, but if like if you just don't beat that guy for whatever reason, the game over screen doesn't show up. Yeah. Like, but like uh, if you, if you TPK, is your is your game master going to be like, well, you're dead. Let's start over from the beginning. Sorry, I got to throw this out. <laughs> uh, yeah, or is it, does your game master like have this big plan and it's like when you open your eyes, you find yourself in another realm, and you're like, wait, are we dead? Are we the same people? Is this the same game? What's going I on? I mean, yeah, I mean, and that's fantastic because it's like I do like I do like that idea of a TPK against the big bad guy, and then another party coalesces and somehow gets onto him because it's like because stuff the fact that stuff happened matters. That's great. Oh, can you imagine if your party died and then the GM's like, okay, we're gonna take a break. We'll come back next week. I want you to make new characters. Um, and, and we'll, we'll start a new campaign and it's like, cool. And you're like, all of these towns sounds very familiar. <laughs> it's just like 20 years later, you're like the next generation of adventurers and the big bad evil guy has, has just advanced 20 years. Oh, <laughs> tasty. Uh, so that's going to wrap it up for a discussion about, uh, what makes a good tabletop experience, but we would like to know what, what you guys think makes a good tabletop experience. Is any of the stuff that we said ringing true with you or are we horribly wrong and do not play top tier D. <laughs> please let us know <laughs> nickofthenickscast.com um, or you could uh, tweet at the show at Phanthropologic or follow our Facebook page Phanthropological on Facebook uh, to let us know if you want to know what else the three of us are up to you can check check us out at the Nickscast pretty much anywhere on the internet and uh, in addition to that, we also have our own personal projects. I myself, as I mentioned earlier in this episode, am a musician. You can find all of my stuff at um, fragileair.bandcamp.com or or Fragile Air on any any music streaming app that you choose. And I should be putting out stuff at a good clip, so please do check it out. If you're wondering what I'm up to, well, if you wait for three weeks as the time of this episode is released... You can check out one of the things that I'm working on, which is the Zeal Archives. The Zeal Archives explores the world of Chrono Trigger one bit at a time, covering all sorts of different elements from that world, with a little bit of audio drama at the beginning and end. Um, The first episode will be coming out on March 19th, and uh, you can check that out at zealarchives.com or follow it at zealarchives on Twitter or Facebook. You can also check out The Race Against Time, which normally is a race to beat Chrono Trigger in 24 hours and raise money for the Alzheimer's Society of Canada, which is normally held in mid-August. We are also running before that event, an event where we're playing through Final Fantasy VI to try to beat it before the main event. Uh, And in that case, we are raising money for a local LGBTQ community space, Spectrum. For the details on that, you can check us out on Twitter at raceagainst.io or on Facebook at raceagainsttime.io uh, or of course on twitch.tv slash theraceagainsttime where the event and the pre-event are held. In addition to being on this podcast, I am a writer and translator of uh, this and that and right now I've got a translation of a Beowulf out and available on Amazon. Uh, you can find that on your Amazon of choice.ca.com.au anywhere and that's it for now. And that is called Beowulf, a mostly modern verse translation. If you pop that into the search bar, it's sure to come up. All right. Thank you for listening. 
uh, to this episode of Phanthropological, everybody. We look forward to hearing your feedback, and until next time, we'll talk to you next time. Goodbye, everybody. Uh, it makes you invisible, but only to ducks. There are going to be a lot of ducks coming up. <laughs> <laughs> you asked about duck-sized duck horses or horse-sized ducks, and um, I might have gone a little bit off topic. Are you too? Hey. <laughs> it's, yeah. Sorry, I was, I was figuring something out, and then I forgot. Um, the Zeal Archives is... Uh, f- and why do I fuck this up every single time?